Adam Crowley Show. Crazy animal, those ducks, Adam. They always try to swim and look calm underneath, but on the surface, they're just... Back to you. Adam Crowley. The Crowman. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Audio taken from the Crook and Phony show on the station across the street. Dale Lolly was on the radio for three hours today. What's another 15 minutes? He joins us now. He of DKPittsburghSports.com and, of course, the Steelers Radio Network. Lolly, what's going on, pal? What's going on, Adam? It's been a long time. Haven't seen your face, but good to hear your voice. What was, I was the... thinking you didn't like me anymore. I love you. Honest. We're going to go to a concert next month, right? You got the tickets? I hope so. Yeah. We, we're, we're, we're efforting. Okay. Trying to get him free through Mike Pursuta, yes? Yes. Okay, very good. That's a smart plan. Uh, Dale, what was the scuttlebutt at Steelers OTAs today? Did Ben Roethlisberger shiv Mason Rudolph? Uh, shiv him? No. Did he jump in front of him in line a couple of times? Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, he, you know, Ben's Ben, and he's going to take his backhanded you know, passive-aggressive shots at, at guys and do the things that he does that he's done. He just can't help himself. Um, but I, I think it'll all it, it'll all be fine. Uh, I'm, I'm not wor- really worried about that. Although he did say today that maybe he only plays year-to-year. Who knows? Yeah. Changes from day-to-day. It's... Put, your, just put your finger in your mouth, lick your finger, and stick your finger in the wind. That's, what he's, that's the way he's feeling in the day. You I know, will lick my finger, and I will stick it where I want to stick it, Dale. Uh, Dale, I, I do think that that was actually probably the biggest quote-unquote news to come out from Ben Roethlisberger talking to the media was, well, I'm taking it year to year. Meanwhile, he just said on the radio he was going to play three to five years. Meanwhile, on the radio last year, he said he might be oh, done. All that stuff was taken out of yeah. context. Oh, yeah. Other than the fact that it was his, his exact words. On his freaking radio show, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He you know, And thank God he's doing it, too, because it is May 22nd and the Penguins aren't playing anymore. <laughs> Pirates are playing. Eh, re- wake me up after they sweep the Reds. Uh, Dale, you need to get over this this pirate, this anti-pirate thing. Oh, you really do. What? No, I don't. Why Why would I have to get over the anti-pirate thing? You need to, you need to just cap the brakes a little bit there, Pally. What? Why? Huh? What did I do? Huh? What did I, I do? This, I heard you this afternoon, Garrett Cole. Look, they don't have Garrett Cole. How many home runs? How many home runs did Garrett Cole give up last year? How many Cy Youngs is he going to win this year? He's not going to win the Cy Young. He's better than any pitcher Charlie, they have on Charlie their staff. Charlie Morton's going to win the Cy Young. Well, they should have him too. How about that? <laughs> no, they should not have. Nobody, nobody was crying when Charlie Morton left town. Nobody in Pittsburgh. But we all cried when Garrett Cole left town. Yeah, we all didn't cry. I cried. You don't know me. You may have cried. My pillow was wet. <laughs> Well, see, he was, Garrett Cole was decidedly average last year. Last year? Decidedly he was, a, he was a Cy Young candidate a couple of years ago, though, and he's a, a Cy A couple of years ago, he was. Okay, he but never, it... He never lived up to the hype here in Pittsburgh, other than one year. Okay. One year, he, he put it all together. He did, but that's also an indictment on the Pittsburgh Pirates for the way sure, that they were using him. Sure, but there's, there's nothing that says that Garrett Cole 
had he stayed in Pittsburgh. In fact, the evidence would suggest otherwise. Had he stayed in Pittsburgh, he would be having the kind of year that he's having. It, the evidence, though, would suggest that he would be better than Chad Cool and Ivan Nova. Maybe, maybe not. What was his ERA last year? Four and a half? He's in the fours. Lower than Nova's is right now. It was in the, was in the fours. So he was, not, he was not markedly better than any of those guys. So should I tell you? No, on, on certain occasions he could be, but he, he just could not consistently put it together. Dale, should I talk I thought, to I uh, should I talk to John Parado about the Steelers coming up at five forty? Absolutely, do the go ahead and do that because he, you know he, he writes Steelers stuff. So we all cover all different kinds of stuff. That's true. We'll have to get into this debate <laughs> when we're at the concert next month, drinking a copious amount of beers. Let me ask you about Steelers camp. And not Let's that do I, that. Not that I did. Not that that was not fun because it it was and it is. But when will Dobbs suffer his season-ending injury? Right. <laughs> Uh, that could be interesting to watch. We'll see. Uh, we're, Matt and I were talking, and Matt Williamson and I were talking kind of about that dynamic um, today, how the, this is going to break down once they get into preseason games. Um, because, it, you know, if, if, if it plays out like it has the last few years, uh, Landry Jones got all the snaps or the majority of the snaps in the preseason games two and three years ago. Last year, it was Josh Jobs who got all the preseason snaps for the most part. He got, you know, 100 through 100 passes, whatever it was. Well, this year, you would assume that that means that Mason Rudolph gets, you know, the majority of the snaps, and that doesn't leave many for anybody else. And if you're Josh Dobbs, that doesn't give you much of an opportunity to uh, state your case. Um, Landry Jones isn't going anywhere. Landry is, they, they know he can get by. On, on a, you know, a lesser amount of, uh, of snaps. Ben Roethlisberger is going to get as many as he needs to get ready, and Josh Dobbs is going to have to suffer that catastrophic uh, season-ending injury if that happens, um, maybe carrying his pads up the hill. Yeah, and I think that that's something that they should do because while I do think Dobbs is a project, they know that. He also knows the offense, and if... Mason Rudolph progresses the way that they want him to. He would be the backup next year, and then you slide Dobbs back in uh, behind him, and you got some cheap uh, depth at quarterback position moving forward. What should be expected from Randy Feetner, Dale? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be all that much different than what we're going to see from what we saw from Todd Haley. Um, I don't know that the the general A person will notice huge differences out there. They're not going to suddenly come out and line up with uh, offensive tackles in the backfield or anything like that or come out and, you know, just power sets. Nothing crazy or anything like that. Um, you know, the biggest difference will be the play calling. Um, you know, because everybody, every, every guy is different and they have things, they have tendencies, they have things that they like to do, things that they, you know, fall back on when, when, when they're looking at certain situations. And that's going to be the biggest difference, but I don't think uh, in terms of the things that they do offensively, I don't think it's going to change dramatically. Dale Lawley joining us from DKPittsburghSports.com and the Pirates Radio, oh, pardon me, the Steelers Radio Network. Uh, Dale, the secondary is stacked with depth for the first time in a while. I think Burns, Hayden, Hilton, Sutton, Davis, Burnett, Edmonds, I'm interested to see how that all works out in terms of sub-packages. I'm anxious to see if Burns gets pushed for the starting job. I'm interested to see who's going to line up and play center field. What do you think's going to happen? How, how are we going to sort through this? Well, Starling Marte's in center field. That's true. Um, that's true. <laughs> and right now it's Austin Meadows. So, oh, you, you want to talk football. I do. Okay, I see. 
Um, Artie Burns isn't going anywhere in the starting lineup. That's okay. just not happening. That's that's a pipe dream. Um, people want it, wanting him to be pushed. That's it's just not going to happen because none of the other guys have as much talent as he does. Quite frankly, um, he's the, the the Artie Burns hate in this town um, borders on. I don't even know what some of the 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 vitriol that comes out towards some of these players. If you play cornerback in this league, you're going to be beaten on occasion. Deion Sanders was beaten on occasion. Rod Woodson, I've watched him play many years, and he got beat on occasion. It happens. Um, you know, as much as everybody wants to complain about Artie Burns in the Jacksonville game. They all, they forget about the, the 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 three pass breakups he had earlier in the game. Um, I think he's fine. I think last year was his first year as a full time starter. I think he'll continue to get better. Um, I think they have nice depth there. I think you know it, it, at some point you'd like to see Cameron Sutton. Them, them, I'd like to see them find a way to get Cameron Sutton onto the field in, in certain packages, and maybe they can still do that as free safety as that deep center fielder type because the other guys really don't fit that mold, the other safeties that they have on their on their roster. Um, but it's all going to play out as you know, they'll be somebody's going to end up getting hurt. As much as you know, you, you hate to think about it and you hate to to project that. It's just the reality of the situation. This will all sort itself out by the time they line up in September against Cleveland. Yeah, that's a great point. What I do like is that they have the options, Dale to match up now with teams. If they feel like Sean Davis is going to be better covering this tight end, you can have him cover this tight end. They've got a lot of moving parts back there. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have options, and that's that's the one thing that, you know, maybe in previous years they didn't have as many of. I mean, you were looking at, okay, what's the what's the backup option here? Well, it's William Gay. Okay, uh, put him in the game. Or it's, you know, pick a guy. It, 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 you know, it's Cortez Allen. Well, that didn't that doesn't work either. Uh, they've they've improved their depth in the secondary. They've improved the you know the the variety of different body types and guys that they have back there. The one thing that they don't have though is, is the thing that you alluded to. They really don't have a true center fielder yeah. type. And, and we saw today you know at, at OTAs um, guys rotating in there. Basically, um, you know if you Sean Davis one time, then it would be a Morgan Burnett another, and then you know with the second unit. Um, you know, maybe, you know, it's Terrell Edmonds and it's Matt Burhey, and it, it, they were trying a lot of different things there, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how that sorts its, itself out. It's day one of OTAs, which means that there's got to be all kind of rumors flying around. Michael Kendricks got released by the Philadelphia Eagles. Is he a fit? You think here, Dale? Oh, he absolutely would be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's he. I think had he been available on the free agent market, if they could afford him. Uh, maybe you sign him over John Bostic. I'll be very interested to see if they show any kind of interest in him uh, because he is that kind of linebacker. He's a run-and-cover linebacker. Uh, that would certainly be a guy who would interest me if I'm the Steelers. And maybe that's why they've been kind of waiting. Uh, everybody wanted to know, are they going to sign Lawrence Timmons? Are they going to sign uh, Navarro Bowman? Well, there's other guys that are going to be cut free, too. And and this is this is one of those guys. This is the guy that people were talking about. Uh, he's, you know, he's... he's the, the Eagles are trying to trade him. Well, at some point, you typically, if if you're trying to trade a guy and you can't find a trade partner, a lot of times you end up cutting him. And right now, he's he's available for nothing. You can go out and just sign him to a contract. And if I'm the Steelers, I would certainly at least look into it. 
Now, he's a California guy, and maybe he wants to go west. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I don't know enough about him. I've never met the guy, but he would certainly fit as a player in this defense. There's no doubt about that. How about a little west of Philadelphia? Uh, Western Pennsylvania. That is west, yes. Yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not a long drive west, but it's uh, instead of uh, flying six hours, you drive six hours instead. Yeah, you just fool your mind into thinking you're going to the west coast. Yeah, yeah I- they could just... Put him in like a little plane and drive him out here. <laughs> I know they like Tyler Matikavich if he's healthy. I do think that getting a guy, even if it's not Michael Kendricks, just somebody else for depth. That's not to say Matikavich can't do it. We didn't get the chance to see him when he was healthy last year in that backup role. I had to bring in Sean Spence, but uh, I could see a similar problem happening if they don't go out and sign somebody. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you look at, at John Bostick's uh, career injury history, it's not great. Um, you know, and I don't know how much. They want to play with those two guys on the field together, those two guys being Vince Williams and John Bostick. Um, you know, last year they played the, the base defense about 25% of the time. Um, you know, the, the other 75% was sub-package nickel and dime stuff. Now, that being said, when you're playing Jacksonville, uh, guess what? They're, they're in their, their big packages, you know, 80% of the time, so they're going to force you to play nickel or in, their, in your base defense. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a different dynamic. Um, you know, beating New England is far different than beating Jacksonville. You have to do it two different, completely different ways. Um, and so they, they offer two different, completely different challenges. Dale, Connor, Ridley, Samuels, Fitz Toussaint in the backup running back conversation. What do you see there? What do you like about some of those guys? They're here. Nice. <laughs> um, better than 2-6, huh? It's better, and and here's the this is the strange thing I keep saying, and I tweeted this out. Do people realize that Le'Veon Bell is not under contract, and OTAs are already vol- they're also voluntary. So you, you're mad that he's not showing up when he's a not under contract, and b these are voluntary. I just don't get that. I, I don't get it. Troy Polamalu never showed up for these no. things. And nobody ever said boo about it. Oh, they might say, oh, it's an interesting story. You know, you'd ask uh, Mike Tomlin or Bill Cowher, hey, would you like to see Troy here? Well, yeah, they'd like to see him here, but they trust that guy. He knows what he's doing. He's a different animal. Those guys don't, you know, what, what's Troy Polamalu learning here? What's Le- is Le'Veon Bell learning how to carry the ball better in an OTA? I don't think so. I mean, he is what he is. He does, he does it the way he does it. He, he's different from everybody else. And, and so who cares if he's not here? Um, but the other guys, uh, you know, it was good to see James Conner out there. And I didn't get a chance to talk to him today, but to me, he looked like he was a little lighter than what he was last year. Um, and, and I think maybe he tried to uh, drop a little bit of weight, uh, and I'll find this out at some point here, um, to maybe improve his speed a little bit. That was one thing when you watched him play last year. They kept trying to run sweeps and things like that with him. And while they were successful doing so, I think it was largely because the offensive line's so good. Um, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if he plays in the, in the 215 to 220-pound range, you know, we'll see. I mean, he needs to stay healthy, though. That's the big key for him. He needs to stay healthy. What's this about Bud Dupree flip-flopping sides? Yeah, um, you know, I reported this uh, way back after the, uh, after the combine, actually. I'd, I'd gotten wind that uh, the Steelers were considering moving Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt flipping their uh, – their side. So, so today was really the first day we had an opportunity to see if they were going to follow through on that. 
and they did. Uh, Bud Dupree took all of his snaps over left tackle, and T.J. Watt was over uh, right tackle. And so that's a, you know, it's not a huge thing. Uh, they're both still in the starting lineup, but it certainly changes the dynamic for both of those guys. Dale, really appreciate your time, man, as always. Are we friends again? Are we good? Are we going to be able to make it past this uh, this Cole dispute? I don't know, man. Uh, you, you got this baseball, this fixation. It's, uh, it's a Cole fixation. I don't get it. Man. He's not here anymore. Let it go. I they miss, wouldn't have. They I miss him. Have the I miss him. Is Colin Moran. If they if they hadn't traded Cole, they wouldn't have the greatness it is Colin Moran. And you know what? That's the trump card right there. Uh, Dale, it's Colin Moran. He's he's the dude. He's the man. That beard alone is worth it. He looks like a LaRoche brother, but he's not one. He looks like a red haired LaRoche brother. He's the red headed stepchild of the LaRoches. We'll let you go on that one. Thanks again, buddy. See Adam. There he goes, Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com, covering baseball and the Steelers. Dale, I can miss Garrett Cole if I want to, and I do. Every time I watch Chad Cole pitch. Coming up next, are the Steelers better on paper than they were last year? It is the unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun, brought to you by To Be Determined. CSP in Pittsburgh. I apologize in advance for this segment because I got a bunch of peanut butter crackers from the vending machine during the break, and I am nowhere near done chewing them. You were trying so hard to finish it. You were, like, Uh, chewing like crazy over there. I got these with three minutes left in the break. There are six of them that come in a pack. I'm down to two left, but I think half of the six, or half of the four that I've consumed, two of them are just lodged in my teeth somewhere. Yeah. Maybe turn your microphone on. Tom. Tom. You want to eat more wasabi? How are you feeling, by the way? I feel fine. You okay? No, no lingering effects at all. Okay. Oh, so it wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't that bad at all. So you're just that pale normally. Do I look pale? A little bit. Oh. I can't tell you how many people brought that up to me. Oh, my God. Like, everybody's concerned about Tom's safety. Like, how's Tom? Oh, I appreciate that. Right? Yeah, it's like he's fine. Wasabi's fine. He offered. Nobody was like, hey, that was cool that, um, you know, he was late and you guys held him accountable. Nobody went that route. <laughs> you know what? It's all the snowflakes these days. <laughs> yeah. now, there's zero accountability. Yeah. Oh, poor Tom had to eat Wasabi. No, poor Tom should show up for work on time. Agreed. And he got punished. And now we're past it, I hope. Hope so. Never let it happen again, Offerman. I'm just pissed because now if somebody does something else, now we got to come up with something else to do. I can't think of anything good right now. I got one. Do you? Feed them more wasabi. Okay. I'm in. It's time for the unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Brady has no-showed OTAs. That's right, the great one, the GOAT, TB12. He ain't there. And WEEI in Boston has sent out reporters everywhere to find out where he is and where he ain't. You know where he ain't? TB12. Hadn't been there all week. You know where he ain't? His house. You know how they know that? His children's lips are surprisingly dry. Look, here's the deal. If Brady shows up to OTAs, 
fine. If Brady doesn't show up to OTAs, fine. But he is being a little bitch. He's just being a little bitch. Tom Brady had an opportunity to squash all the rumors about Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and the dissension in the ranks and the anger when he was on a TV program about a month ago. And when asked if he was appreciated by his owner and his coach, he said, I plead the fifth. Shut up, Brady. And by shut up, I mean say something that's legit. Actually talk. In fact, don't shut up. I think that this shows that the ESPN story that ran last year absolutely has some legs. So anybody who was squashing it back then is still feeling the same way now. And I'm talking directly to you, Boston Media. I'm talking directly to you, EEI. How hard they bent over backwards to say, oh, there's nothing really going on here. No problems. You're wrong. There are problems. Brady and Belichick are no longer buddies. They're no longer bucking together. They're no longer sharing ice cream cones and such. They're just not friends. And here's my hot take. Let me get the peanut butter cracker out of my throat. Hot take coming. Hot take coming. Maximum effort. Dynasty's over. That's right. It's over. See ya. Not win another championship. I have a bigger problem with Tom Brady not showing up to OTAs than I do Ben Roethlisberger going to OTAs and being a D-bag. I do. At least show up. Show up and be the D-bag. Don't be the D-bag by not showing up. That being said, Ben Roethlisberger did speak today for the first time and he had a couple of shots, veiled as they were, at Mason Rudolph. I guess we're not going to play the sound bites. This is what happens. He's going to have to eat more wasabi. He's going to have to eat more. That's the punishment. One wad, now two wads of wasabi. You have one sound to play, Tom. That's it. It's Ben Roethlisberger being a douche, howbeit a little veiled to Mason Rudolph. There was a, there was a particular play that he ran a little naked on, and he was probably six or seven yards from Rosie, and he threw it. Do it pretty hard at Rosie, do it high, and Rosie didn't catch it. And, you know, Rosie's kind of a, a team favorite here, so the linemen started giving him the grief and stuff. And um, I just, you know, I just pulled him aside and said, hey, listen, you'll, you'll learn quickly that you don't have to, every throw doesn't have to be the hardest throw you can make. You don't have to put every uh, every throw, like, on guys' chest as hard as you can. Like, that's a great opportunity to just give him a nice, easy touch pass. So just just trying to instill little things like that. You have some first impressions of him? He's got a big arm. Um, he overthrew AB, even though AB's not going to admit it. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I thought, uh, you know, seems to understand the offense, seems to, um, not have any issues in the huddle, so I thought he did really well. And how about this one for Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, I always, I always have, always, always done that. I think people took some things that I said into a context that I was going to be mean or rude or whatever, and that was not it at all. If you listen to the whole conversation, I was said and just and laughing and having fun. So I've never been the type to just um, be rude or mean to other quarterbacks. So you can ask, you know, Jones, and I've had a lot of quarterbacks through here that have been younger than me that I've tried to help any way that I can. So um, you know, I'll, I'll continue to do that. I don't think Ben's going to outwardly be a douche to Mason Rudolph to his face. What I do think is that you can expect a lot of that, which is, yeah, Mason overthrew AB today. He didn't need to do that. And there's something to that when you're talking about a wide receiver. Like later on, he said about James Washington, uh, he looks a little raw, but we'll work with him. But when you're talking about a guy that's trying to learn from you, talk to him one-on-one. 
pull him aside. Say, hey, man, you overthrew AB here. Here's what you got to do. Put a little more touch on it. Oh, hey, you overthrew Rosie Nix here, who, by the way, everyone's going to overthrow freaking Rosie Nix. Maybe next time pull a little heat off it and then don't talk to the media about it. I just think Ben needs to handle things in-house a little bit more than he does. Can I translate what he just said in those sound bites? I would like you to. That way I can eat more peanut butter crackers. Mason Rudolph cannot throw the ball as well as me. I'm Ben Roethlisberger. It was paining him. Paining him to have the media there and asking about a quarterback not named Ben Roethlisberger. It had to. You could see the smile hurting on his face. Like, it was a strained smile. Like, you could actually see it. He was putting on a smile. He was doing what he was supposed to. But you could tell. It was a little bit forced. It was. And good on Ben to coach him up a little bit. And I believe that that's going to happen. But Ben has thrown passive-aggressive darts in the media forever. Forever. And now he's going to do it about this young quarterback. It still rubs me the wrong way. It just does. Now, Ben also said, and we don't have the sound, Tom, so don't freak out. Don't worry about it. I'm not looking at you, man. Don't worry. He said that he's taking it year to year now, his career. After... A month ago on the radio saying he was going to play three to five years. Which was a year after Ben Roethlisberger said that that might be his last year. All this is to say, the Steelers did the right thing by drafting Mason Rudolph! Does Ben Roethlisberger not realize that him saying he's taking things year to year is exactly all the reason the Steelers need to take Mason? I don't think he knew it. I don't think he knew what he said. Will Graves the guy who asked the question. Ben, are you going to play three years? Is that what you're expecting? Uh, I'm taking it year to year. It's that. It's that pause and eh, I'm taking it year to year that made them draft the quarterback in the first place. And let me just say, I do have a problem with the relationship that's already budding between these two. It's not going to affect wins and losses, but I have a bigger problem with Ben Roethlisberger calling out the Steelers on that radio show saying they shouldn't have done what they did. They should have drafted a player who is going to come in and help now. Well, Ben, you're saying it's just year to year. They wanted to have a plan of secession, and now they do. Will the Steelers be better next year, this year, pardon me, than they were last year? The roster is better right now, I think. Maybe Michael Kendricks comes in, and if he does, oh, yes. Yes! Bostick's a good player. He's better than Sean Spence. He's better, I think, than Tyler Matikavich. So there's an improvement right there. I think that Morgan Burnett's a better player, albeit a different one, than Mike Mitchell. I think that makes them better right there. The Steelers have the ability in the secondary to match up. The Steelers are going to flip-flop. Now it looks like J.J. Watt, pardon me, T.J. Watt, if they did have J.J. Watt, they would be much better. They're going to flip-flop T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. I think that changes some things, presents some different matchups. I think defensively they're going to be better because it's hard to be worse than they were at the end of the year. And you're never getting Ryan Shazier back, at least not this year. And because of that, it's a hard role to fill. But we're not talking about filling the role that they had with Shazier there. We're talking about getting better than you were when you didn't have Ryan Shazier. They've done that. On the offensive side, I think you need to hope, if you're a Steelers fan, that James Washington can be a facsimile of what Martavis Bryant was. Can he be that deep threat down the field? And I think he can be. I watched him a bunch in college. Tear up West Virginia. Tear up Pitt. Watched him a bunch. And I think he can continue that in the NFL. And while Martavis Bryant was great at times in his Steelers career, he wasn't that way last year. We'll see on the offensive side. Is Le'Veon going to be better than he was last year? I think he needs to be. 
I think he needs to be the guy he was, or at least close to that, what he was two years ago. Can the offensive line take a step forward? Because I thought they weren't as good as they needed to be last year. Can Vance Williams stay healthy? All questions on the offensive side, but I think overall, the offense is going to be good, and the defense is going to be better. Therefore, better team today than at the end of the year. And there's this one. There's this one. Per sources, according to Albert Breer, one anthem idea being discussed is leaving it up to the home team on whether the teams come out for the anthem. If teams do come out for the anthem, potential that teams could be assessed a 15-yard penalty for kneeling. Wouldn't it be nice if the league would just allow players to express themselves? And wouldn't it be nice if the hoi polloi wouldn't get their panties in a bunch when players do express themselves? I can't imagine being that offended over kneeling. I can't. Sorry. I love God. I love this country. I cannot imagine being that offended over somebody kneeling down. In fact, I was walking in downtown Pittsburgh the other day. I saw 50 people tying their shoes, and I didn't flip a goose about it. Coming up next, back to ball. John Parado from the Parado Report joins us here on the Crowley Show. I'm sure tomorrow I'm going to talk about that a lot more. Just FYI. It's a Crowley Show. Big series for the Pirates starting tonight, and I'm not kidding. The Reds slapped them around last year to the tune of going 13-6 and against the Pirates. The Pirates were 18-5 and against losing teams coming into the stretch where they've now gone 3-3. and I think this series is big. John Prado from the Prado Report joins us now here on the Crowley Show. John, how are you today? Doing good, Adam. How are you? I'm awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time to join us. This series is big, though, right? Uh, with the schedule that they've got upcoming, it'd be nice to see the Pirates get a sweep here, I think. Well, this is the last soft spot they have for a while. The schedule starts getting a lot tougher Friday when St. Louis comes to town, then the Cubs after that for a six-game homestand. And as you mentioned, the Pirates have made a lot of hay, so to speak, against bad teams this year until over the weekend when they lost three or four to San Diego. So, you know, yeah, they need to beat the bad teams as often as they can because, uh, you know, they all central have three really good teams in the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals. And when you play all of them 19 times, that's uh, 57 games right there. And it's uh, going to be hard to get a whole lot of wins against those three. So I think for the Pirates to stay in contention, they need to kind of hold serve against those three teams when they play and really make up the difference when they play uh, some of the weaker teams in the league. What's so frustrating about what happened this weekend is that the Pirates could have won on Friday night. They left too many guys on base, and then uh, they clawed their way back the next two, and they still found a way to lose those. Those are the ones you don't want to see, especially against bad teams, when you've got an opportunity right there to win the game and you don't. Yeah, you know, and, and Adam, the, the, the nice thing about this team this year is, you know, for the last two years, they played a lot of sloppy baseball, and it showed in the record they had back-to-back losing seasons. It seemed like they'd cleaned a lot of that up this season until the weekend, especially the, the two games Saturday and Sunday. Friday night, uh, just one of those games you have from time to time where you can't get the big hit. But Saturday and Sunday, they were sloppy, and especially yeah. Sunday in that ninth inning. That, that was a game 
You come back from 4-1 to go ahead 5-4 at home, and you got your closer on the mound. That's a game you have to win. And, and for them to throw the ball around and, and like they did a couple times on bunts and uh, missing a potential double play, you know, that brought back bad memories of the old Buckos, and they really can't afford to play like that. They don't have that kind of margin for error where they can be sloppy and still win a lot of games. Speaking of sloppy, and this is probably not fair, but Gregory Polanco, he misplayed a ball in the outfield, which he's one to do, and he just looks terrible at the plate right now. One of his last 15, swinging through a lot of pitches in the strike zone, and he popped up a couple of pitches that he was able to get his bat on uh, in this recent three-game slide. A lot of people have been calling for Meadows to get some playing time there when Marte comes back to pull Polanco out of the lineup. For the struggles Polanco is having right now, I don't think that's the way to go, though. I think that's far too premature, and I think there's a lot of recency bias there. I agree, and I think, you know, I mean, the Pirates committed to Gregory Polanco when they gave him a long-term contract the year before last, and I don't think they're going to pull the plug on him anytime soon. Because, I mean, I know he's up and down, and he can frustrate the heck out of people at times, but he also is a very talented young guy, and he's still... A pretty young guy. He's 26. I mean, I know he's not a kid anymore, but he's certainly not a grizzled veteran either. And I, I just don't see at this stage them thinking Austin Meadows is ready to not only play every day, you know, but in a different position. He's a center fielder, and then you're going to move him to right field where basically he hasn't played in his career. And I, I think right now, I think Austin Meadows is just up for a look, get acquainted in the big leagues. Certainly, he's looked good his first three games, but I have to believe when Marte comes off the disabled list, which could come as soon as this weekend, I think Austin Meadows is headed back to Indianapolis. I think any benching of Polanco is not going to happen for quite a while. Yeah, and I think that the smart thing to do is to let Polanco sort this out. John Prado, Prado Report, joining us here on the Crowley Show. I don't know how much moving a guy up and down in the lineup is going to help him succeed, but I do think it might not be the worst idea to move Polanco down just while he tries to regain his form, and then that way he's not going to hurt them at the top of the lineup as much. Oh, I agree, and I, I think, you know, uh, that's kind of the tried and true way to try to get somebody out of the slump, and Quite honestly, I'm surprised that Clint Hurdle hasn't dropped him a little bit sooner than this. And, and you know, I'm, he's being very stubborn. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud Clint for sticking by his guy. But at some point, I think you have to do something. You know, I don't think take him out of the lineup, but I think maybe drop him down to six or seven in the order. Take a little pressure off of him. Could only help. And then if he gets back on track, then you move him back up to the two spot. And I'm, a, like I said, I'm a little surprised Clint hasn't done it yet. And I, I've got to think. That day is coming fairly soon if Polanco keeps struggling. That all being said, it's only been three games and it's only been 11 plate appearances, but good showing for young Austin Meadows in his first cup of coffee in the bigs. It is, Adam. I mean, there was, he's kind of slipped in some of the, you know, the people that rate the prospects, the baseball Americas, the baseball prospectuses, people like that. He kind of slipped in the rankings this year. He was like a top 20 prospect last year and he dropped into the fifties and in, in a couple of the rankings this year. And there were some scouts I talked to that thought, well, maybe this kid's just not going to be uh, quite what we thought he was going to be. They thought he kind of leveled off in his development. He'd been hurt a whole lot in his career. And, you know, he didn't exactly tear the International League up before he got called up. He was doing well at Indy, but he certainly wasn't, like, leading the league in hitting or one of the best players in the league. 
So it was encouraging to see what he did this weekend. I, granted, I, I know it's against one of the weaker teams in baseball and the Padres, but he really, I thought he looked like he was ready to play. He wasn't nervous. He handled everything well. And, uh, you know, he hit a home run, and he should have had two on Friday night. If the wind wasn't blowing in off the river, he likely would have had two home runs on fly balls so caught at the warning track. So, uh, yeah, I was very impressed. And, uh, you know, he, this is a year he needed to kind of put – rebuild his uh, star power a little, and it looks like he's doing that here in the first two months of the season. John Prado joining us here, Prado Report, on the Crowley Show. Uh, I know that they're going to put Hargrave in the rotation uh, on Friday. He's going to pitch against St. Louis. I'd like to see Kingham, and then I'd like to see uh, them put, I said Hargrove, I got Steelers on my mind, then they put Musgrove in the rota- in the uh, in the bullpen. I think that's the way to go. If you were able to discern that, uh, then good for you. Let me restate that again, John. I'd like to see Kingham in the rotation and Musgrove in the bullpen. How about that? Okay, so Joe Musgrove's going to be the nose tackle this year for the Wait, <laughs> let me get this straight. Okay, anyway. Uh, you know, I think they want to look at Musgrove. I, I mean, he was the centerpiece of that four-player package that they got from the Astros for Garrett Cole. I mean, certainly Colin Moran's done a solid job at third base, and Michael Feliz has, has pitched well. He's now the eighth inning guy out of the bullpen. And they really like uh, Jason Martin, the outfielder, who's had a, a really good year so far in double-A at Altoona. But Musgrove was the guy. I mean, he was the main guy they wanted in that trade of the people the Astros were willing to give up. And uh, I think they want to take a look at him, and I certainly can't blame them for that. I think they know what they have in Nick Kingham, and I, I think they like the progress he's made this year. But I think they want to find out about Musgrove uh, before making a determination what his, what his long-term future is. So I really don't have a problem with it at this point. I know they're in contention right now, but uh, I think they still have to sort through what their options are long-term. Is one of those options maybe using Chad Cool in the bullpen and sliding Nick Kingham into the rotation? Well, I think Cool, and I know a lot of scouts will back me up on this, think that Cool would be outstanding as a late inning reliever. I mean, you know, he can run his fastball up in the high 90s. Uh, he has a good slider and he can put people away with when he's throwing it for strikes. And, you know, I, I think of all the guys in rotation now, he would be the guy that most would fit in the bullpen for me. But uh, even if you do put him in the bullpen, then you have Kingham come up, and it'll be interesting to see what would happen then. And then you still have Stephen Broughton, Tyler Glass now, who the Pirates think eventually are both going to be starting pitchers in the big leagues. So on the whole, it's not a bad problem to have for the old Buckos to have more, more starting pitchers than rotation spots because, as you and I have seen many times, they've often had not enough pitchers for rotation spots over the years. Yeah, no doubt about it. you got guys... Uh, like Kip Wells and Josh Fogg as your one and two, and then after that, yikes. Uh, John, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much, and hopefully we get a chance to do it again soon. Okay, sounds good, Adam. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There he goes, John Parado of the Parado Report. I told Lolly we were going to talk to him about football. I told him. Hargrove, Musgrove, whatever. Maybe I've got mad cow disease. I hope I don't. Did eat a lot of meat this weekend. Grilled meats, burgers, dogs, stuff like that. Dear God. The Pirates need another starter to compete. I don't care where it comes from. I have my theory. If Musgrove comes in or Hargrave, whatever the hell you want to call him, he comes in and pitches well, fine. I'd be happy with that. Uh, They just need somebody, whether it's 
him or Cool to get a little bit better and harness his potential, Tyon to take that step forward. Uh, that needs to happen regardless, Tyon taking his step forward. But they just need they need one more guy to be good. And what frustrates me, and what you just heard John say it there, is that they're going to try to shoehorn Musgrove into the rotation because he's part of that Garrett Cole trade. He was a centerpiece, so you have to make him a starter. Well, they're in contention now. Let the guy pitch a couple innings out of the bullpen. How about that? And you let Kingham come up and pitch in the rotation. That's what I want to see. And they're allowing the Garrett Cole trade, that decision, to bite them now for a second time. Uh, Colin Moran's a good player. The kid that's in A, he's a good player. Uh, Musgrove has value. I don't disagree with any of that. But I still think it was too early to get rid of Garrett Cole. And now, because they don't have Cole, they have a hole in the starting rotation that they're going to try to plug with Musgrove, even though we know he fits better as a reliever. But I know, because I've seen with my two eyes, that Nick Kingham can get it done at the major league level, and I'd like to see him continue to get an opportunity to do it at the major league level. Coming up next, I'm doing it. I'm getting to this NFL kneeling thing. I can't. I just can't sit by and just let my timeline fill with opinions. I need to get mine out there. It's what I'm paid to do. So coming up next, kneeling, good. It's the Crowley Show. Dad, what are you doing? Cramming for college. I'm the one going to college. Yeah, but we need to figure out how we're going to pay for it all. Discover Student Loans. Discover does student loans? Yeah, they're one of the top student loan lenders in the country. It takes 15 minutes or less to apply, and there are no fees for the life of the loan. Best of all, I can earn cash rewards if I get good grades. Really? Yeah, we still have time to apply and get a great rate. So I can just chill. College kids still say that, right? No one says that, Dad. Really? Yeah. Visit discoverstudentloans.com to apply today. Limitations apply. Now you got this Boston dude saying that not only is Tom Brady not at TB12, but he's not even in the country. Oh, no. Look at these ambulance is he, chasers. Is he, is he on the planet? Oh, shoot. You that he's on the planet. If he was not on the planet, he'd be. If he was off the planet somewhere, he'd have to be with Gronk. But Gronk.